Good evening and happy, happy, happy new year, folks. Coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown, you're listening to the award-winning Info Hub Hour with Rashida Jamu, aka Philly's Freedom Join. Hi, Rashida. I'm here and I'm Maleka Fruin. I live here in Germantown with my family. The Info Hub Radio Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org. Maleka, it is so good to be back after a month away from the radio. How are you doing? I am doing great. In fact, this morning, I actually was in a community discussion in in a virtual discussion in Finland about the Germantown Info Hub. So that was exciting. In Finland? We're yes, because my, my, friend, my friend is part of an art collective there. So she invited me to talk about community care. And you know that we are about community care and community-centered journalism here at the Hub. So it was yep. exciting to talk about. Yep. So, Maleka, we have good news for our neighbors, I will say. So why don't you go ahead and share that really quickly with our listeners? And I want to get this out of your mouth because you've been here since the inception of the Germantown Info Hub. So in some ways, you've helped be the backbone and spirit of this project. Thank you so much, Rashid. You know, we really had this great opportunity to get another grant from Independence Public Media Foundation to continue our work as Germantown Info Hub and become a project with Resolve Philly which is a nonprofit media collaborative, and we're, we're going to learn more about them during the show. It, th this is really such an honor and a testament to the collaborative and engaged work that our na Germantown neighbors have been doing with us. And with everything stated by Maleka, I just want to add that the purpose of today's episode is to allow neighbors to understand who Resolve is, while letting you know that we are still the same old info hub. It's still me and Maleka. I'll still be sending my weekly e-newsletters, which I hope everybody is getting, and Maleka will still be cultivating and sustaining those relationships with our community partners, neighbors, and stakeholders. And we simply just have a new home that will grant us the opportunity and the resources to fulfill our dedication of service to the Germantown community. That's exactly right, Rashid. And today you'll have an opportunity to, to not only learn more about Resolve Philly by listening to the first episode of the Resolve podcast named Resolved, where co-founders and directors Cassie Haynes and Jean Friedman Radowski are in conversation about the inception and function of Resolve Philly. And right after that, we will listen to a conversation that we had with Cassie and Jean as we picked their brains and found out why they wanted Germantown Info Hub to be a part of Resolve. Let's roll the clip. Hi, I'm Cassie Haynes. And I'm Jean Friedman Rudowski. We're co-executive directors of Resolve Philly. We're a relatively new organization, and our goal is to transform communities by rethinking journalism. Who does the reporting? what gets reported and why, and how stories are conceived and framed. As we think about the future of journalism, our hope is that newsrooms will be more collaborative, rooted in equity, and driven by community voices and solutions. And we're committed to doing everything we can to push journalism in this direction. So we wanted to create this podcast series as a way to tell you about Resolve Philly, who we are, what's important to us, how that shapes our work, and where we're headed. 
We're a journalism organization, but we sit at the intersection of a number of industries and fields. We partner with community-based organizations, academic institutions, and researchers. Some of our partners include legacy newsrooms as well as digital-first outlets and Alana Media, which I'll define. That's Arab, Latinx, African, Asian, and Native American media organizations. You might be familiar with our work already, the Reentry Project and Broken Philly. But even if you know some of our programs, how we operate as an organization and what we're striving for is probably not clear. We really value transparency. And over these next five episodes, we hope to make our work more understandable. And we also want this to be beneficial to others in the field. People look to us for guidance as leaders in the local journalism space. And so hopefully this is useful to you. We're learning along the way too, building the plane as we fly it. On each of the next five episodes, we're going to dig deeper into one of our priorities, which include collaborative solutions journalism, sustainability, practicing allyship, transforming how communities engage with news and information, and building a community of leaders. And throughout the series, we'll hit on what we've learned so far as an organization and as leaders, how we plan to measure the impact of our work, and what we hope to see as a result. We're going to hear from a lot of different people who help tell the story of who we are and where we're headed. Right now, we're going to tell you about why we're even here working together doing this project. So people ask us all the time, how did you two meet? How did this get started? And the fact is, we met because of our kids. So our kids are best friends. They're tiny besties. And um, my wife and I moved back to Philadelphia after moving away from Philadelphia for a few years in 2017. And our daughter started at the same preschool with Jean's son. And we didn't know anybody in the neighborhood and um, went to her son's birthday party. And that's I think that's the first time that we really um, we really spoke. Yep. (laughs) That was it. And so after that, we started becoming friends. Um, And soon, I would say a few months later, Cassie got a job with the city. Yeah, I started as the deputy executive director of the Office of Community Empowerment and Opportunity, which is this city's anti-poverty agency. And um, actually on my it was my first week of work when the reentry blueprint happened, which was the culminating event of the initial project that led to Resolve Philly. Um, and so I was I was in this new position, and Jean was um, this big superstar journalist doing all of this awesome stuff, and I wanted to learn more about how, in my capacity working for the city, we could collaborate. And the way we truly started working together was as the reentry project was ending up, the reentry project was our first big collaborative solutions journalism initiative, 13 newsroom partners focusing on the challenges and solutions to prisoner reentry in Philly. That concluded, and we were taking this collaborative solutions-oriented model into its second year. And the newsroom partners got together to decide on the topic that we were going to focus on next. And after a day-long meeting of thinking about, and after having gotten input from voices all over the city about what we should be focusing our work on, we landed on poverty and economic mobility as our next topics. And one of the first things I did was to call up Cassie and say, 
I'm going to be the editor about a reporting project on poverty. What do I need to know? And I told her everything she needed to know. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> um, but but around the same time, I had been following um, really closely a group of researchers that had been convened by the Gates Foundation as part of the U.S. Partnership on Mobility from Poverty. It was a two-year project that Gates funded, and it was 24 poverty experts from around the country, all working to answer the question, what would it take to dramatically increase mobility from poverty? So this big, you know, noble, open-ended question that these, you know, poverty experts were studying. And they came up with a three-part definition of economic mobility and a five-part strategy for addressing it. And I really, you know, they, they wrote a bunch of white papers that were super interesting, but I really gravitated to this definition that they used, which encompassed not only financial success, but also agency and autonomy and power and value in the community and all of these things that I felt like were missing from municipal poverty mitigation strategies. Like we don't talk about solutions that increase agency and power and value in the community in the same way that we talk about solutions that increase financial success. And so I was really struck by this idea of all of these newsrooms coming together and really, you know, kind of lifting up these solutions, community-based solutions. Um, I started learning more about solutions journalism in general and, you know, the idea of first-person narrative. And I put experts in quotes because there was nobody with lived experience of economic hardship. That's me making an assumption. But I can almost guarantee that none of those 24 individuals as a part of the partnership were currently experiencing economic hardship or immobility. And so this idea that this work would be an opportunity for folks who who are experiencing the challenge to be recognized as parts of the solution, I think was was something that really drew me to you know, I was I was super excited about how we could work together. Um, And I also wanted to leave my job. (laughs) So <laughs> I was ready. I was it, I was ready. Yeah, Cassie is pretty ready to leave her job. <laughs> sort of an understatement. So we over the the first few months of Broken Philly, we would talk, we would find ourselves at the same conferences and speaking events and ended up having this kind of like recurring conversation about, you know, the power of journalism in terms of transforming communities, in terms of encouraging economic mobility in communities that are experiencing serious financial hardship. And I was also at a point where I am a journalist. I have a community organizing background. And those are the two skill sets that I hold. And suddenly I found myself not just the editor of a project, but also the ED of a new organization. She's being really modest. Those are two of many, many, many skill sets that you have. (laughs) Still, though, professional skill sets. (laughs) Um, And I I wasn't, I knew I could not do it alone. There was no way that I was going to be able to both kind of manage the editorial day-to-day of this project and also create this new organization, Resolve Philly, which I didn't even really know what direction it should head in. And so as Cassie and I started talking and getting to know each other, I realized her incredibly extensive 
background. She is a lawyer. She has an MPH. She has been an executive director. She's fundraised millions of dollars. She is passionate about processes and strategic plans and all of the things that were really new to me. And so the idea of working together was super exciting because she brought that wealth of skills and expertise along with the passion for the actual work and brilliant ideas for that work too. And it just seemed like, wow, what could we accomplish if we work together? A lot is the answer. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, I think how we came together and, and how we have figured out how to lead this organization together is part of what we're actually, I mean, it's part of our strategy to communicate that out and to share that. And there were a lot of raised eyebrows when we were like, yeah, co-directorialship, like, yeah, co-leadership. It's so good. We're going to do this. And people were like, yeah, but who's really in charge? (laughs) But who's really going to make the decisions? Like this idea of shared leadership was so wild that folks couldn't quite fathom how this would happen. And um, we invested very early, thanks to uh, a grant from the Philadelphia Foundation in a leadership coach. And so the two of us worked with an executive leadership coach for about eight months. And that was, you know, a monumental impact on, on what we've been able to accomplish since joining forces and where we, I mean, you're, you're about to like go on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that, you know, it's actually fine, like it's actually totally totally fine. Our staff is fine. Our operations are fine, in large part because we've built a structure that makes it fine. It's not just the two of us. And I mean, we're we're individually amazing. Um, <laughs> and so it'll all be fine because of that. But I think that the investment that we've made as a team in the structure to support our organization and the governance and the in the staff, in how we develop the leadership capacity of those who with whom we work, I think that's why it's fine. And there's a lot to be proud of in that. So to give you all a sense of like the timeline and really actually how much we've grown and, and what we've been able to achieve in such a relatively short amount of time, the beginning of Broken Philly was early 2018, after we had that meeting with all of the reporting partners. And I called Cassie to say, what should I know about being the editor of a reporting project on poverty was in January of 2018. We decided to work together that summer. Cassie's first day as co-executive director was August 6th of 2018. So we're now less than a year and a half out from that. Up until nine months ago, it was just Cassie and me. And now at the end of 2019, we are a full-time staff of seven people. About to be eight. We have our eighth full-time employee starting in January, which is great. I mean, it's been such an amazing amount of growth and expansion this year. We're really excited for now that we have the the full complement of our team, at least for the time being, we're really excited about how that translates into the work we'll be able to accomplish together in 2020 and beyond. We're really excited. We have a lot of confidence in the impact that we're going to have and the abilities of our team and our partners. We're excited about some of the newer initiatives that we are getting kicked off 
off in a more public way. We've been brewing a lot of new work in the background uh, for the last 12 months. And so 2020 really presents an opportunity for us to lead with that and to show everybody who's kind of had this idea of, of a little bit who we are and a little bit what we do with more clarity, with more engagement, um, you know, exactly what we're thinking in 2020. So stick with us. It's five episodes. We promise it's not going to be boring, and you're really going to understand our work a lot better after you listen through. But before we end, we want to thank the folks who enable our daily work to happen, our awesome and generous funders. They are the Knight Foundation, the Lenfest Institute for Journalism, Independence Public Media, the Solutions Journalism Network, Wincote Foundation, the News Integrity Initiative, the Kahneman Treisman Center for Behavioral Science and Public Policy at Princeton University, and the Philadelphia Foundation. Thank you to Stephanie Marudis of Cuvenda Media and to Brad Linder, our producers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can find us on the web at resolvephilly.org and follow us on Twitter at resolvephilly. If this is exciting to you, if you learned something, if you want to tell us more about your work and what you're doing or to plug in in any other way, we really encourage you to reach out on Twitter. Or if you hate this too. You or if you hate it. If this, does, if this is the most ineffective way of communicating, please let us know. <laughs> That was Cassie and Jean on the Resolve podcast, and we're going to play a conversation we had with them recently for the InfoHub Radio Hour. What is good, y'all? Hey. hey. Cassie How's and it? Jean, we are so glad you're here. It's nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So we have heard that y'all are very connected to the Germantown neighborhood and that the Resolve team somehow has so many interesting personal connections to Germantown. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Um, well, first, a number of our team live in the Germantown neighborhood. Um, I, I used to live, uh, depending on how you how you define the borders of Germantown, either right on the border of Germantown and East Mount Airy, or a few blocks from the border of Germantown and East Mount Airy. Um, we have a lot of connections to the to the community um, in terms of our partners, in terms of who we work with. Our, our attorneys are actually located in the heart of Germantown. Um, we have had many, many an early, um, Gene and I, uh, an early strategy session uh, at Uncle Bobby's um, and taking walks around the neighborhood. Gene has some other specific connections to the neighborhood as well. Yeah, so I'm a Philly native, um, born and raised in Mount Airy, um, and now live in Mount Airy again. And so growing up, um, I had a lot of friends who lived in Germantown, so I was just there frequently um yeah it felt like I spent just a lot of my childhood like in this um in this northwest section generally um and we now you know we go there for ice cream we go there for coffee it's just you know it's right um kind of right down the street because I'm in West Manary now and yeah going down Wayne Avenue a little bit and I'm in Germantown and so it's just it's great to um be connecting with you all and to be now like 
working a lot more actively and directly um, in terms of resolved programmatic work in the neighborhood that we really love and appreciate. So it sounds like you have all really great connections to Germantown. So let's just talk about a little bit why you thought it made sense to bring the Germantown Info Hub onto the Resolve Philly team. Oh my gosh. It's made sense. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. I almost know said something that I can't go on the radio. <laughs> it does, it leaves me speechless. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a supernatural fit. I think we were, we've been, you know, part of conversations about and with Germantown Info Hub since before Germantown Info Hub was was an entity. Um, we have been uh, following the work um, and extremely invested in um, in the work of the two of y'all and also the success of the initiative in Germantown. I mean, Resolve has has built it's it's you know our 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 business and our reputation on community centered community powered community engaged journalism and that you know what y'all have been doing in germantown um is just the epitome of of this um and so for us you know it made it made natural sense just you know we'll we can talk about the programmatic alignment and, and the future of what this work is going to look like. But I think just on its face, I mean, there's there's so much value alignment. There's so much synergy in terms of not just who we're trying to reach as, you know, G-Town Info Hub and Resolve, but also how we're trying to do it, how we are trying to change, to reinvent, to redefine the practice of journalism. Um, it felt completely natural to us to, to welcome this initiative and the two of you um, and your audience, our audience, you know, into the Resolve portfolio. And I think to build off of that, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it really just sort of the work that you're doing epitomizes like the, the core of our mission. And as Cassie said, the how, the, the values that you bring um, to the work that you do and the way you carry out the work is so incredibly important. And I think, um, in, in addition to that kind of like natural alignment with um, the work that, that the two of you do every day and the amount of time and, you know, investment that comes also from community members to, you know, contribute to those conversations, to be on the radio hour, to interact with you guys um, whenever you're out and about in the neighborhood. In addition to all of that, we saw some hope and promise in what's been built in the Germantown Info Hub um, for what, what we are envisioning will be a community wire service across the city. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll break down what that, what that means to folks. So you may have heard the term wire service in the past, right? The Associated Press is a wire service. It was actually in some ways um, the first kind of collaborative effort in journalism, at least kind of documented formally, because the idea was, um, wait a minute, there are some just like kind of core pieces of breaking news that not every news outlet needs to be reporting. And so how about just one person reports it, and then it can be published in a number of places. So it's a way to kind of streamline resources and make sure there is, you know, broader access to just like real, real basic kind of breaking news, um, hard news. That that was the that was and is the AP's, you know, continuing version of a wire service. There's kind of, you know, central folks who are publishing and it is available in other 
um, in other places so that you don't have to repeat that work. Our version of the wire service, of the wire service that we hope to build or that we will build um, is kind of operates on a similar principle, but a little bit different. Um, and that principle is um, there is information happening, or sorry, there are things happening <laughs> and information that is available in neighborhoods throughout this city um, that could be, that uh, that would be best served if it had kind of wider distribution and a wider audience. And that the best, most accurate and most, most authentic representation of those stories are going to come from people who know the neighborhoods and the people um, best. And those are people, for example, like the two of you, <laughs> like Rashid and Malaka, right? You live in Germantown, you have connections to neighbors. And so the stories that you are able to write about the Germantown neighborhood and about the people who live there are naturally gonna be more accurate and authentic than reporters who are coming from other parts of the city. And so the, this, this version of this vision of the wire service is what if, in, you know, in addition to the great reporting that you were already doing for residents of Germantown, what if you were also able to do um, and you know, with us supporting you, the Resolve team supporting you, able to do stories about Germantown for a different audience, right? It's you're going to write different pieces if you're writing for folks who know what Maplewood is, as opposed to those who don't. And so, what if you were writing um, stories about what's going on in Germantown? You guys deciding what it, what should other people in the city know about your neighborhood that isn't right, that isn't crime, for example? What should people be knowing? And then us creating the vehicle and mechanism to connect you with other local news organizations in the city and give them the opportunity to publish that material. And that happening all over the city, right? Three, imagine three, four, five, a dozen different kind of bureaus, all doing my accurate and authentic reporting about the places that they are in so that other people have more, um, can be reading more true narratives about what's going on in those cities. So that's, that's the vision. I love this vision. Uh, Cassie, first of all, thank you for all the wonderful things you said about our work. I really do feel appreciated and I really feel a gratitude that it's coming from um, Resolve. When Andrea, who was a founder of Germantown Info Hub, first told us about Resolve um, Philly and how we might be able to be partners, I didn't know what it would look like. And as we learned more and as we learned about this community wire service, I said, I just, I just said, I just got more and more excited about the possibilities of community-centered journalism that really could even go to breaking news. And like you said, Jean, really respond to it in a way that comes directly from the community, that actually has stories from neighbors on the street, that actually, even if it was covering crime, it would be covering crime in a solutions-based manner. It would be right. covering crime in an engaged manner. It'd be covering crime in a way that actually tells the story of a neighbor that lives right down the street from there. Mm -hmm. And so these are the kinds of possibilities that I'm really excited about. And me and she were talking about the fact that Resolve Philly, one of the things that we thought was just really exciting is the fact that it's an unconventional journalism organization and that it really is about solutions journalism. But let's like go over solutions journalism again 
just for folks that don't know, from your standpoints, from both um, Jean and Cassie, like what what does what comes to mind when you think about that? Because we really want to we really want to re, uh, rejuvenate this organization in this COVID times of 2022, and 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 think about these things. Well, there's a there's a real a real honest to goodness like definition of solutions journalism that Jean can definitely go more into. I think um, you know solutions journalism as a practice for a resolve uh, really centers community representation, community voice, community engagement. I think you know in in a Philly in a Philly in a city like Philly where you know we have these ginormous challenges that we are facing as residents, um, like economic immobility, like social exclusion of so many folks, so many folks across our city, um, that, you know, we, we have to we have to do journalism on problems, Uh, we have to report on, on challenges and problems. I think, you know, the key with solutions journalism is that we don't leave it there and that we're really, really okay. Yes, this is a problem. Like, yes, this is a sticky, sticky situation that our neighbors are dealing with, but that's not the end of the story. Um, that there is, there's always, you know, maybe not always, but most of the time, um, there is, there's more that can be included, um, that, that enables, you know, a story to, to go from just reporting out on a problem to, to being a piece of solutions journalism. Um, often that that involves, I mean, often, listen, it has to involve talking with community members. It has to involve lifting up voices. It has to involve employing community members as journalists. You know, those those voices, those brains, those hearts doing the actual reporting um, because that's that's where solutions are. Yeah, and it's, um... So to add on to that, I mean, Cassie is exactly right. It's it's that key point of not just stopping there, right? Like, of course, we have to expose what problems are. We have to expose injustice and corruption. That is like a core part of journalism as a profession. And also for far too long, that has totally dominated what journalism has been. And so the point is, it's like not leaving it there. So solutions journalism is, you know, reporting on responses to complex social problems. Um, And, you know, in any solutions journalism piece, ideally there is, you know, a good explanation of the problem that's going on. Um, There is bringing in, you know, data and evidence about how a solution may or or how a response may or may not be working, right? There's also great solutions journalism on like lessons from failure, because that's the other part of solutions journalism is that there's like takeaways, there's lessons. It's not just, um, you know, it is not about one specific person doing one heroic act because you don't the feeling that you want to get when you read a solutions journalism piece is like oh is not oh look at that remarkable person I could never do that because they're just so remarkable and singular in their own way it is oh I understand how that person did that I'm like I could do it too or I could explain like there are lessons that you can take away um, from a real from a from a true solutions journalism piece and there's also honest like there is no um there is no single solution to a complex social problem there is no silver bullet it just doesn't exist and so we as reporters also have to do our due diligence to say here are the limitations right like 
yeah, there's this thing that could solve X, Y, or Z, but it actually is just like far outside the reach or financial capabilities of the communities that, you know, could use it or would, or, you know, would need it or whatever it is, whatever those limitations are, it's important to put those front and center. Um, in addition to all of the, the aspects that Cassie already just mentioned. I love all of it. I really do. So it's, I love having this conversation about solutions journalism because yesterday I was actually in a um, skill building meeting. I wasn't leading it. I was a part of it. Um, and one of the things that we had to do was talk about storytelling. So we had to tell a story and the story I told was about when I was about 11 or 12 and my grandmother um, sent me with my brother to his court ordered um this court order situation to basically go feed unhoused people, right? So at 11 or 12, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, why would I do that, right? <laughs> like, thank you for volunteering my time for something that he did. However, when I got there, I had those conversations with some of those folks. And I learned a lot about destigmatization that day, right? And so I carry a lot of that into my journalistic practice is the bottom line of that is that everybody has a story to tell, but everybody shouldn't tell that story. Everybody shouldn't be able to have the power to tell a story that somebody holds and they harbor. Um, so when I think about solutions journalism, I think about that being an appropriate setting to be able to tell those stories, right? Because before 11, 12, before I had those conversations with those actual people, I was just getting outside noise from the media and what they told me who these people were and that they were you know, consequences of their own actions, which we know that isn't always true, right? And so when I think about that, I think about those gaps that are missing in between stories that we hear. So how does Resolve fill the gaps for what you've already seen missing in traditional journalism? I love this question. I think, um, ooh, I'm about to get a little theater kid dorky here. We love uh, it, we embrace it all. Sorry. <laughs> but I think, you know, we talk a lot about transparency. We talk a lot about the process of journalism, the process of making the news. And I think that is, that is a gap that Resolve fills. We shine a light on the parts of the stage where things are happening, but the audience can't quite see. And that's a really, really important part, we believe, of, of um, both solutions journalism and also just what, what a more equitable uh, framework for journalism looks like. Um, there's not enough general community public understanding about how news gets made, about what it looks like for a story to go from, you know, the very, you know, beginning kernel of an idea through the reporting process to production, publication, air date, whatever. And so I think a lot of what we attempt to do and, and one of the gaps that we attempt to fill by you know, showcasing our process more publicly, being more transparent about who we are and how we operate, and also working alongside of our newsroom partners as they work to be more transparent and more community oriented in, in their reporting practices. I can add on one thing to that too. Um, so Rashid, going back to your story, you, as you said, you you were filled with narratives in your head about these folks, right? About the folks that you ended up personally meeting. 
Um, that is that is the framing that a lot of the media takes with people who are experiencing economic hardship or hunger or whatever other life situations that those folks were in, right? Reporting, reporting about them for an audience of others, which is of course important, right? Like we 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 need to know what what is happening in the lives of others. That is like part of what makes us, you know, a human community is like understanding what is going on with other folks. And that's like going back to the wire service, right? More accurate and authentic um, storytelling um, about folks for others. And also there is um, I can I can almost guarantee <laughs> that probably there were very few news outlets or news organizations at that moment, thinking about information for those folks that you are visiting and thinking about what do they need to know in their lives to enable them to make more informed decisions for them and their family, to help them access resources or opportunities that are available to them that are just kind of ready and waiting. And so that's another gap that we try to fill. And that is what you two do so brilliantly, right? You are constantly thinking about what information do journal do germantown residents need to know to like thrive in their lives and so that's you know going back to like why we wanted to work with you that is that is also at the core of it um and so you know but but we we think about that more broadly than just in germantown and that it's it is why we have our equal info text line right it is like because we want to know what people need to know I love that. And it's the thing about accessibility. So it's like always thinking of different ways to be able to get those stories and that information out, right? So I love that. I really do. So we've talked about a lot, but we want to hear a little bit more about y'all. So tell us a little bit about your backgrounds um, and how you kind of blend those work styles and skill sets to create and sustain the organization. Because one of the things that in entering Resolve, every time we get into planning meetings, People on staff are always like, oh my God, you and Maleka balance each other out so well. And I always feel that when I step into meetings with you two, because the same way they like pick up that energy on me and Maleka, I pick up that energy on you both. Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, there, there are so many layers to that question. I'll start with one of them. Um, just kind of like at, at base our professional backgrounds, right? And why those made such a good mix and like make Resolve what it is today. Um, and that's like me with a, um, with a, you know, professional journalism background. I was a reporter for almost 15 years, lived the majority of that time outside the United States, reported, you know, uh, about um, folks in the global south mainly for u.s outlets um and then and then started doing editorial work um, or editor level work once i was back in the states um and i also when i was in um when i was in high school and college did a lot of community organizing and kind of like bring that ethos to the work um and so and 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 have a you know a clear passion for storytelling for like the power of narrative change for thinking about information as agency and those those are the places where Cassie and I totally intersect and and overlap right we share those those passions the mission the values all of that and Cassie brings in this like wealth of experience of 
of building things, <laughs> of being able to build organizations to understand how, how do we put policies and practices in place to be able to best support people and our team. Um, I mean, clearly she has a theater background as she just referenced. There is, you know, a legal background, public health, just like a, a wide expanse of professional expertise um, that, that complements out so well my in some ways sort of like more limited or narrow scope in like the journalism field. Um, and I think that's like the power of a non-journalist and well, Cassie is a journalist now, but originally she identified as not a journalist coming together with a shared passion for information and storytelling is like at its heart, what makes herself so powerful because it's, it's the blending of like that, um, of that professional experience and like shared mission and passion. But there's other parts too. I would add too that I think um, we we both, though Jean came from a professional background in journalism, I think we both see journalism as a tool and not not always the end all be all, which I think distinguishes us from other news organizations that journalism for me, and I, I own this and you know, you can call me an advocate if you want, and I'm not going to refute it. Um, but you know, I, we are, we are using journalism as a tool to connect with people. We're using journalism as a tool to, to, change narratives, drive narratives to be more reflective of communities, more reflective of our neighbors. Um, you know, it, it is, there is journalism for the sake of journalism. And I certainly, you know, support that and consume it <laughs> and engage with it. But I think, you know, my practice of journalism um, is, is as, you know, a, a, a tool to, to, you know, enable, this, the community that I want to see to build the city that I want to live in. I most recently was the deputy executive director of the city's uh, anti-poverty agency, the city of Philadelphia's Office of Community Empowerment and Opportunity. And I left that job for the exact same reason that I went to that job, which is I love Philly <laughs> and I, and I want to, I want to, um, I want to see Philly step into, you know, all of its glory um, in a way that is equitable and doesn't leave people behind. And and journalism is absolutely a tool for that. And I think you know what you are also pointing towards, Rashid, is just sort of our our working styles and our personalities and just shared leadership in general. It is something that is. Um, that is extremely important to us, to the organization, and is a model that we will, like, it is, that is a hill that we will die on of just, like, truly believing that shared leadership is a better way of doing things. Um, and, and, and we believe in it, not just for ourselves as co-executive directors, but shared leadership as a practice amongst folks all all over our team. I mean, you two are shared leaders of the Germantown Info Hub. You know, you don't necessarily like share a co-title in the way that Cassie and I do, but you two are like leading this work together. Gabriella and Lily lead our text line work together, right? Derek and Jing Yao very much see themselves as like a cooperative leadership team of um, our community engagement uh, efforts. So I think it's, it is, 
Um, it's a practice that we're, we work really hard at and that we try to instill in all um, parts of our organization. I definitely resonate with the way that y'all were bringing up using journalism as a tool, and I'm sure Rashid resonates with it as well. We both come at journalism in different ways that we're both kind of insider and outsider, so it's a good thing, and and we both appreciate that. It makes me think... Um, one of the things I was curious about was the vision of journalism, especially community journalism and, and where it's headed next. And this is not to, this is not for me to toot my own horn, but really to think, I'm hoping that the idea of the Germantown Info Hub and Info Hubs everywhere and a community wire service and things like that are some of the future of journalism and where, where we're headed. What do y'all think? I, I, I have to believe that they are. I have to believe because the alternative is something that I don't want to see. Um, I think the, the alternative is um, more people getting left behind um, and that's not acceptable. And so I, I choose to really lean into that vision of community journalism and um, being, you know, at least part of, but a significant part of the path forward and what, you know, what we see news media looking like in the, in the coming years and decades. I think we've seen, you know, there are, there are a lot of amazing journalism organizations across the country that are, that are doing this work and doing it really well. Um, we're continuing to see more collaboration and participate in more collaboration among these newsrooms. And so I think, you know, creating a network, creating, you know, not, not a formal network, but creating, you know, networks and, and collaborative relationships among these journalism organizations that have similar visions that are doing work in more community centered ways is I think, you know, that's all, that all gives me hope. Um, I'm participating in one of those conversations later this afternoon with a couple of, with a couple with, with many newsrooms from around the country talking about policy, talking about media policy and how as largely nonprofit journalism institu institutions, we can be, you know, banding together to drive more equitable policy that, you know, that democratizes um, news in a way that, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing it go in the other direction. So I am, I am here for that vision. I am scared about what it looks like if we're not moving towards that vision. I'm scared about what that means for my neighbors, but I have a lot of hope um, and it feels good to know that resolve is really not just participating, but in a position to really share the leadership with, you know, with these other organizations, you know, as we, as we drive, you know, substantively towards, um, towards that future. I agree. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, that, as you said it, there's, uh -huh. there's the other benefit to shared leadership of like, end up sharing a mind a lot of times so it's like yeah no 
catchy setup, so I don't need to say anything else. I love that. That's on period, okay? So just really last, just for fun, give us one Germantown local business that you love and why. You already said Uncle Bobby's earlier, so you can't say that. <laughs> yes, so my favorite Germantown business is A&N House of Produce. Um, so inexpensive for such good fruits and vegetables. I know some folks might go in there and be like, oh, but the, a lot of the bags, there's like a lot of things in that bag. Do I need that many apples? Do I need that many oranges? The answer is yes, you do. If you're my family, <laughs> it's a ton of fruits and vegetables. And so it's actually great that they sell things in larger quantities. Also little known like secret as you're in line, on the right-hand side, they have all these small containers of like dried fruit and other things like that, which are also really good, not just the, the fresh produce. So highly recommend. I don't know if this counts as a business. It does. It does. It definitely counts as a business. Listen, <laughs> the Germantown Life Enrichment Center is Ooh. the jam. I, I used to swim there. The membership is is affordable. The pool is gorgeous. There is natural light coming into that pool, which like it is hard to find a pool with natural light. I would get there 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. The sun would be like rising, just shining in, like never anybody else in the pool at the same time, like maybe a couple other people. Anyway, front desk, like the front desk staff, the security staff, like everybody who works there was always super friendly calling me by my name like just I have nothing but amazing things to say about the Germantown Life Enrichment Center so for your physical activity needs hit them up <laughs> it was truly a pleasure sitting down with both of them for the first time on the Germantown airwaves we want to remind folks that if you want to learn more about the Resolve crew, you can visit www.resolvephilly.org. You can also listen to more of the Resolve with a D at the end podcast by looking for it wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, and you can also come and talk to us because we are now part of Resolve. <laughs> but Germantown, it's about that time. And if you have a story you want to hear covered, please contact us at Gtown dot infohub at gmail.com or text infohub to 73224 to start asking us questions. And additionally, we encourage listeners to text the equally informed Philly text line, another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia services. Equally informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Their team works to bridge the information divide, reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philly. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. And Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and the Equal Info Line, a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. Yep. And that is about it. Remember, I'm Rashida Jamu, aka Philly's Freedom Join. And I'm Maleka Fruin with a little bit of background ground noise from Baby Bayou. Thank you to our guests for joining us today. Thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging. Thank you to Vayu for also engaging as always. And so next week, good night, Germantown.